We are back. Welcome to the heavy hole. The heaviest of holes. My name's Tom. Oh yeah, brother. My name's Big Will, a.k.a. Yeah. God. Sorry, clear my throat. Dude, speaking of throats, my throat blew out like three times over the last like two weeks. Yeah, wait a minute. I, you know, I was reviewing one of our late, latest episodes just for, you know, for production notes, not for egomaniacal reasons. Of course. Yeah, and it wasn't the version that I force you to edit where it's only my voice every week. Right. But and I saw, so because of that, I noticed I kind of cut you off from completing a story about bruising. I don't, don't want to do this to you, Tom, but in the words of Kanye West, I believe you bruised your esophagus. Yep, that's right. I did. Uh, violently sneezing, I think I was on last time, which is good that you cut me off because it happened again. I was eating wow. a tuna melt sandwich. Don't, oh, I love those. I, They're so good. A toasted rye. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Caraway seeds. Don't ruin it for me now, but tell me what happened. I'm eating this thing, and I have, I forget the name of it, some very long uh, convoluted medical term, but in layman's terms, it was a throat spasm. Wow. And half of my throat locked up. Did you need One like stop. the Heimlich maneuver or something? Or you- I could breathe. Uh, it just felt like someone shoved a pool cue in there, and it's terrible. Hmm. Anyway, that's that's how my week is preemptively. Wow! I'm, Did I'm you recovering. have to go to the hospital or something? Or? No, no. I immediately Googled it, self-diagnosed, and it said that uh, usually clears up in three weeks. So I still have it, but uh, man, it was scary at first. I thought I was having like a weird stroke thing. Um, not so, though. So we have a medical reason why yeah. you're not included in tonight's interview. Yeah, pretty much. You might you might get a hot thought and jump in there, and next thing you know, you're on the floor. <laughs> I don't yeah. want that. All right, now, neither do I. All right. But tell me how your week was, though. That's Jeez. what I want. Wow, man. I well, you know, I didn't I didn't do a whole lot of vocalizing, a whole lot of talking. I I played the backgrounds in the official Pyrexia video shoot. I, yes, I'll be along with uh, like. I don't know, I, ballpark figure, maybe like a hundred other Long Island metalheads in the uh, upcoming Pyrexia music video. Sick. Behind the scenes. Yeah, I was, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it that much, but it was a beautiful experience there. So a lot of a lot of people came out of the woodwork, young and old, from the Long Island metal scene and beyond. Some people came from New York City and out of state. Good good thing, man. Good Not deal, like Fulci man. Beyond. Not yeah. Like that. Yeah. It, like, well, yeah, it was, there was enough gore, like, rep- you know, in... in t- Form of patch and ink, right? You oh. know, gore. It wasn't real life gore, but yeah, it was. It was a good deal, man. The guys they had a nice director uh, holding it down. He seemed very professional with what he was doing, man. It was a rowdy crowd, mm. but he got everybody. Uh, big Nick, uh, big big young Nick, NYDM out east guy, uh, young younger guy, very enthusiastic at all the shows. Shout out to him, the, the lifeblood of the Long Island scene. He, uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to get into it. I want to spoil the video for anybody, but it was a, it was wild. It was a little wild. There's music in it. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, we well, can yeah, say there's that, that new Pyrexia album in there. Um, but yeah, so that was... It wasn't really my weekend. It was on a weekday, but that was like my version of the weekend. I felt right. I felt like I had an excuse to just kind of like play, play it at home and drink a little coffee on the weekend with my cat because I had already got the wild, crazy metal stuff out of the way. Yeah. You, know you only I mean? really need one good metal a week. Yeah. Well, need and wants... Are two different things, Tom. Sure, sure. And that's something that metal has taught me. But enough about me and my convoluted megalomaniacal lifestyle. What about you? You know what, man? Just studying, studying, studying. I, uh, uh, I'm stuck in SQL hell. 
Shout out to everyone who does that already, because you've learned things. Gerald uh, Chow. Yeah, I have to reach out to him, I suppose. Yeah, shout yeah. out to our you know, longtime supporter. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I got really nothing to report. Uh, other than the throat thing, that was weird. And uh, what Jeez, are we doing? Studying and throat pro- I think, Like I'm picturing you like that, um, you know, like the YouTube uh, anime study channel. Where it's oh, just yeah. like the like it's like a little girl like in, in her bedroom with the, with a cat uh, drinking coffee and they have like smooth like hip hop yeah beats. the uh, lo-fi beats hip hop yeah. girl I actually just watched the movie that that was from I'm forgetting the name it's a Hayao Miyazaki movie okay kind of, I yeah I'm not too up on it. I'm just picturing you because yeah. you need the tea for your throat and you know you're studying on the computer there like I'm picturing Tom with yeah. like some little kind of Portis head beat going yeah bro that's that's my life right now I I wish it was more exciting. But uh, I'm excited to be learning things. Sometimes, you know, when you're studying something new like this, you have days where things click and you feel good about yourself. And then you have days where you have to, you run into a brick wall of problems and you need to figure it out. And you mustn't get discouraged, I suppose. That's one thing I have learned through this type of education. Wow. Um, So don't get discouraged. And that goes for all the guitar players and the drummers and the bass players and vocalists out there. If you try and get that blast beat perfect, just keep trying. Yeah, or if you can't, get a drum machine. Bingo. Now, Tom, bingo is right because you just you just you polished up and gassed up the segue for me, sir. Because though the bands he's involved in are as heavy and brutal as hitting a brick wall, I found it easy to get along and have a beautiful, positive experience connecting and speaking with tonight's wonderful guest, multi instrumentalist Brendan Dean. Of Gut Void, Wexler's Prime, Soul Devourment, Fumes, and so many other bands. Uh, we're going to get them on the horn, if I'm not mistaken, right, sir? Dude, it's horn time. Yeah, Canada, all right? Blow the, blow the flugel horn. Heavy Hole Podcast, and today our special guest is Brendan Dean, Toronto-based multi-instrumentalist that people may know from his work with Gut Void uh, and many other bands. We're going to get into it. How are you, Brendan? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you for asking, man. Um, and did I get that? Are you Toronto-based? Yeah, yeah, Toronto. Um, technically, like, I'm in like, a suburb right outside of the city, but like we're all in like, Toronto, so that's perfect. Got it. Okay, and you know, um, I think you're probably familiar with the show. Uh, we, you know, I've corresponded with you behind the scenes a little bit, um, so you kind of know where I'm going. Uh, well, for starters, um, was it always uh, in that area, the Toronto area, growing up? And are you from a musical family? Yeah. So to tackle the first question, I was born in Toronto, but raised in a town called Newmarket, which is like. 45 minutes north of the city um you know like a small town i think it's like maybe eighty thousand now or when i was growing up there it was less like it was uh we're just kind of you know starting up um so it's, you know, kind of like a, a smaller city feel growing up um you know for all the any metal shows like during you know when i was in high school and everything i had to come to the city there was not much really happening in newmarket though there was a punk scene 
uh, which was surprising, um, which I was kind of into in high school. Um, but kind of going to the question on musical family, I no one really in my family plays music, but definitely you know a lot of people are, are big into music. Um, like growing up, my my mom and my dad like always had music going. Um, you know, my dad was really big into like the Kinks and Sex Pistols and that kind of like you know Brit rock and, and, and all that. And my mom was really big into the '80s, um, and so I got like a good mix of that growing up, um, which I, I think probably plays into like in some way kind of influenced kind of the spots that I you know music that I love and, and everything. Um, but my parents put me into piano when I was four. And so I, I kind of played that on and off for a while. Um, into, I think into high school is the last time I really like was doing the lessons for it. Um, but around grade, I think grade eight, I wanted to kind of actually play like, you know, an instrument that wasn't piano, but like, you know, a more rock instrument because I was getting into, uh, I remember like, yeah, grade seven, I, uh, I saw on Much Music, which is kind of like you know, Canada's version of MTV. Mm-hmm. They, had, they used to do these things called like spotlights, and they had one on Corn. And you know, like Grade Seven, what am I like, twelve or something? I just remember watching. I think it was Freak on a Leash. I was like, oh, this is cool. Huh. Uh, <laughs> and like you know, before that, I, I you know, had no introduction to like metal or anything, and and for some reason that like piqued my interest. And then you know, it was around that time new metal was really big and. You know, I remember getting into Slipknot and everything, and then through them, kind of, I was getting into Primus. And my cousin Andrew, who, like, kind of just like as a hobbyist, had a guitar, um, showed was like, "Hey, if you like really like Primus, like you, you know, you might want to play bass." So I was asking him, like, "How's he doing that on the guitar? Like the bass guitar?" And I was like, "Ooh, cool!" Um, and so I picked up the bass strictly on that, like with um, just you know hearing Les Claypool and Primus and, and wanting to do that kind of you know, crazy stuff that he did um yeah and so it's funny actually so i uh to kind of tie it back as well with, with my dad and music when i got Primus's, i think the first live album um they start i can't remember which song it might be uh now nah, i can't remember the song but they started with yyz by rush like that that intro and i remember my dad walking in saying like hey no, they they're playing Rush, and I'm like, no, this is Primus, Dad. You don't know what you're talking about. He's like, no, no, that's Rush, and he he then like brought me down. And he pulled out like this old like cassette of moving pictures and played me that, and I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And then that got me uh, into Rush, which um, probably will bring up many times. I'm, I absolutely love Rush, and like massive, massive influence on all of my playing, even to like this stuff with like Gutboy and Pukerate and everything. It's it's all there. Um, but hearing Getty Lee then really got me into saying, wow, I, like, I, this instrument is, is something like that can be done. I didn't expect or didn't huh. even know it could be done. And it really got me into, um, I, I'd say Rush really got me playing and practicing and really like trying to hone my instrument. And so I was playing bass for, uh, yeah, like from grade, I mean, I still do, of course, but it was around grade 11 or 12. I, um, I thought, you know what, like, bass is fun, but you know, guitar looks really cool. I was really getting into, at that point, I was, like, I'd say more into metal. Like, um, not quite death metal, but, like, a lot of Opeth, a lot of Meshuggah, like, kind of 
you know, that kind of technical but soprani kind of stuff. Like, you know, with the ties into me loving Rush at that point so much. I mean, still do, but um, I wanted to get into the guitar, and so I remember I, I got a guitar, and then around that time, uh, sorry if I'm, I'm jumping around a bit here, but I, I uh, at that point met Dan, who um, is the other guitarist in Gut Void, and um, you know, he and I formed a diatom. I'm sure we'll get into that, but it was kind of from there is when I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I really put my focus in bass. Now I really put my focus into uh, guitar. And so, um, you know, and kind of through all that, you know, my, my parents, again, not being musical people, but were all for it. Like the whole time through with like piano, with bass, guitar, they were like, yeah, go for it. They were really supportive and, um, and always had them, which is really great. So. Sorry, a little bit of a ramble answer there. But. No, no, I, I, well, I sometimes I stop people if I, if there's something I want to get to, um, but but that's a great background there, and you mentioned is it pronounced a ditum? Yeah, that's a great question. We call it a ditum. I've heard people say a ditum. Um, I have no idea how it's properly pronounced, but we go with a ditum. So oh, okay, well for for the listeners. Because this is the first, I, I guess, real band that I could find of you. And you mentioned Dan. Is that Daniel Bonifiglio? Yeah, Daniel uh, Bonifiglio. Bonifiglio, pardon me. Uh, lo- your longtime collaborator, um, yeah. who you still work with in quite a few projects that we're going to get to. But So you say that a ditum, that's spelled A-D-Y-T-U-M, and the album is Echoes of Refuge on Northern Storm Records in 2007, for the listeners who might want to go back. Um, I I gotta say it really took me by surprise. Highly recommended. Very. It, it reminded me of of. Um, uh, it's funny we had a, we had a, another interview where I was talking to somebody about the word melodic kind of being bastardized nowadays. But mo- more melodic, I would say, in the way of um, uh, your like your merciful fate and your dissection than your like typical uh, use of that word with extreme metal. But very interesting melodic complex metal. And hearing you talk about Rush, that. That kind of it all kind of clicks now, having listened to that Adidam album today, because there's that very progressive, epic quality to it, with the the, the three songs all being a trilogy on it, and the uh, the first two songs are like twelve minutes apiece. So, just take me into meeting Daniel Bonifilio. Is that when you guys were still in high school that you were in that band? Yeah. Uh, first off, let me just say, like, I'm I'm all smiles, like to hear you talk about that album like that. That's great to hear. It's uh, you know it. You're right. It's like the first kind of real band um, uh-huh. that I was in. So, like, you know, that that almost—it's got a, a little special place in my heart. So, it's uh, whenever I hear people enjoy it, I, that, it really makes uh, makes my day. So, it's that, well, it, it's impressive, man. It's um, you know, it's not. I'll just I'll just leave it like this. Not everybody's first real band, uh, you know, when they're in high school has something like that uh, dynamic and that 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 sounds that good, you know. So it's it's definitely recommended. But yeah, go, go on. We'd like to know the story about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, so in high school, so jumping ahead, right now, Gut Boy, Dan's in it, but also uh, Justin Beam, who was uh, the vocalist in Orchidectomy. Yes. He played things in Gut Boy. And so he, came, he, was, he and I went to high school together. Um, and we became friends. And, like, you know, like the few people who like metal at my high school were like, you know, we all congregate together and like, oh my god, like, awesome! Like he introduced me to so much metal. Like, first person I heard Cannibal Corpse from was him. Like, he used to get all these like you know random like tapes that were hard, tapes and CDs that were hard to find, like Wretch and stuff like that, and Last Days of Humanity, and that was all through him. But he 
through a, another friend of ours named Garrett, who used to work at this uh, Metro, which is a grocery store that was right near our high school. They kept seeing this guy who was walking around with like a children's bottom shirt, an Opeth shirt, a Rush shirt. And they're like, man, you should go like talk to this guy. Like he, he looks like he has all the same music tastes. It's like, oh, sweet. Again, like in Newmarket where, you know, no one likes metal. You hear of somebody who does, you're just like, oh my God, like, my God. this could be my best friend. <laughs> so, well, I met with him, and, and so his name is Ryan Lewis, who is the bassist on, uh, who, who wasn't a Dynamon on that album. And started talking to him, and he's like, yeah, like, I got this friend of mine who was, like, this crazy good guitarist and loves the same stuff. We should all jam at some point. And so that guy was Dan. And I remember going to their place, and, I, you know, I brought my, I brought my bass at the time, because, again, this was, like, when I just picked up guitar, um... But I went jam with them, and Ryan was a bassist, Dan was a guitarist, and I was like, oh, like, you know, like, we all have these same interests. Like, we loved Old Path, we loved Dream Theater, we loved Rush, like, you know, all that stuff, you know, that I, I, I think really flows through a lot of the stuff I do now. Like, kind of, there were like the, the real, like, kind of foundations for kind of the, maybe the progier side of things, but definitely like kind of the, the, the music writing, the melodic sense of stuff. And we're like, this is really cool. Like they had some riffs. I had some riffs. We really liked where they were going. And so like, let's let's make a band. And so I said, I'll I'll put down my bass and I'll start working on guitar because you know Ryan didn't play guitar and I was just starting to. And so it's just kind of the three of us jamming at like Dan's mom's house in his basement. Like we were just like, I remember like Dan was at, both of them actually were out of high school at the point, and I was in my last year of high school, and I would just you know, grade 12, like, you know, you don't do much. I would just like go to the gym and then drive, you know, to Dan's house and we would just write music till like one in the morning eating microwave Jamaican patties. It was like <laughs> truly fun times when I think back, it was great. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of wrote a whole bunch of stuff and we're like, it's awesome. And um, we didn't know, uh, and I feel like this is, you know, a perennial issue for metal musicians. Like we didn't know a drummer. You know, plenty of guitarists, bassists, even vocalists, but drummers are so hard to find. And I knew of this guy who um, played in kind of some local punk bands, like I said, like Newmarket, randomly had like a pretty good punk scene. Um, so there's a guy named Dean Williams who worked at Starbucks and I, I'd seen play, I can't remember which band, maybe not just Noodles, um, which, was, which was like a ska band. Um, and we talked to him and, and he joined for a little bit and he's the guy on the album but shortly after the album we uh replaced him with a guy named chase uh who sadly incredible drummer but uh didn't get to play on any of Didum albums uh, like there is a second Didum album that was never released that he was on huh. uh but well I, I can get to that lore in a second uh, okay. but yeah um with echoes of refuge we Kind of got some stuff going and i was going away actually i was in university it was my first year university and i came back for the summer and we're like let's let's get this album done we have enough stuff let's just do it and so a good friend of ours named dave clipperton who worked at a local uh, music shop in newmarket called the arts he like he wanted to get into recording and since he was at the arts he could get a bunch of equipment and so in like what was the hottest july and august i've ever experienced it was absurd like this heat wave that ran through newmarket we would go to his house and like like he was still living with his parents i think because he was just a few years older than us um 
and we like set up the drums in his living room and then we recorded everything in his bedroom like again during this heat wave where like we were all just like in this tiny room like it was like a sweat box it was, was, the, was the this step- i'm sorry to interrupt was this too, like the summer of 2006 june 2006 yeah yeah, yeah, it would be that. It would be 2006. I, I can't believe I got to interject it. I just remember, uh, I hate interjecting like this, but but there was there was a heat wave, and I remember because Fergus, a.k.a. Sal of Buckshot Facelift, was on News 12 Long Island being interviewed about the heat wave. Uh, like man on man on the street style, he was like, "Yeah, <laughs> pe- yeah, people can't work. It's too hot. It's cra-, you know, like something like that." Real quick, right, I'm sorry, but I, I had to get that in there because you just sparked that in my memory with the heat wave thing. So I, I can definitely fact check there was a heat wave um, yeah. in, in North America that year. I'm sorry. Go ahead about the Adidas album. No, no, no. That that's incredible. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's true. It was like so hot, and we sometimes. Dan and I, I remember we walked back from Dave's house to his mom's house. It was like a, oh, I got to say it, 45 to an hour long walk. And it's like, you know, one in the morning after we've been recording, it's just like, you know, that that thick heat. That like, it's not that dry heat. It's that wet heat that really gets you and just like beats you down. It was, again, like I have fond memories of this, but it was like such a grimy process <laughs> to get that album done. Um, and Dave put up with us like, we are like, nutcases at that time like we were just like you know like we were kids we would just get really hyper and like you know we i think we were really into um aqua teen hunger force and c lab 2021 and we'd like have those dvds on like making like you know out of the box macaroni with like frank's red hot sauce like it was just just grimy but but really like i don't know wonderful time wow Um, out of the box macaroni with hot sauce and jamaican beef patties you guys you guys are wild man Oh yeah, oh yeah. If, if there's another guiding thread through like anything Dan and I are a part of, it's just we eat a lot, like a lot of just whatever, like it, like food first, you know, like <laughs> then music second. Yeah, all right, my um, kind, my kind of band, I like it. Yeah, so um, so yeah, and that's how that album came uh, to be. And then so Northern Storm, I know you mentioned Northern Storm Records. So um, I don't know if you. If you ever heard of Rab, who is you know from around here, he was in um, a black metal band called Distorgaskelf, which was like a uh, like a parody black metal band. Huh. He was like a like a really like a really really big guy, um, but like the nicest guy in the world, and and he started this label, and we were I think the second band to be signed to it. It was just like it's funny. I look at the con. It's like a one page contract. It's like the the most like hel- like hilarious thing, but, it, but we were like so jazzed and like so excited to be on it, and, he, and you know, credit to him, he got it out. And I know, like I think there's a box of like half of the CDs that were made somewhere. We just don't know where they are. Sadly, yeah. Rad passed away in uh, I think 2000, 2010 or two thousand eleven, um, and so it, you know the, there are copies of the CD available somewhere. I think I have like one or two, but it's kind of a rarity. And, and there's this like, you know, magical box that might have a bunch of stuff. But um, him signing us was, again, like another, I still remember we met at this restaurant in Toronto, like just some, you know, Irish pub and just like signed the contract. And we we're just like, I don't know, the, the best feeling, like, you know, your first band, you put an album, you're like on a label, you know, it's like a small label and, you know, like a small pressing of the album. Um, it's just yeah, I, I, I'm all smiles now thinking about it. It was really yeah. great time. Yeah. Did, did you guys? Yeah. Did you guys get to perform live a lot with that band? Yeah, we did. We 
you know, our first show was, I was still in high school. So I think it was 2000 and 2004, 2005 in Hamilton. Um, and we, we got, we played a good amount of shows, especially like at that time, some Toronto bars were, were really picking up trying to like have metal shows. Like there's Trinport, we went to a bunch and there was a, sh a place called the Metal Bar that sadly didn't last long, um, but that has a lot of shows and we got to play a bunch, which was really great. We actually through a Ditem, we got to know the guys in Augury. We played with them, I think the most out of any band. Um, and you know, huge fans of Augury too, who were also a big influence on us. Um, but yeah, well, like thankfully we got to play a bunch. I think our the last show with me, I think in 2008, I want to say late, like December 2008, something like that. Um, and then I left, and they actually Dave, the guy who recorded us, joined a Dynam as the second guitarist for a bit, and then they got a different vocalists, played some shows, and then now we're kind of on hiatus. But yeah, thankfully we, you know, we that was the, actually the last metal band that I played live in like which is really wild thinking about that now it's 2008 um you know i played some other live stuff but just not metal um and so yeah it's wild but well, it's really good times well yeah because i i want to get to that because when i saw when i when i was looking up doing the research and i saw this aditum album um, and I saw the year it was released, and then most of your recent work, you've you've been extremely prolific the last two or three years. Um, so I wanted to to get to that. What eventually becomes of a ditem, and then is it fair to say that maybe between like you know um, uh, that time and up until maybe like 2019, you're you're in a few bands, but things aren't working out as productively. Um. I'd say yes and no to that. So, um, like with the Ditem, eventually what happened was I was getting towards the end of my undergrad. So I was at a, I went to a university in Guelph, which is like, um, like, you know, 45 minutes or an hour out of Toronto. And at this point in the Ditem, like Dan and Chase um, and Ryan, who was on base, but then replaced by Marco, uh, who was in Toronto, but Dan and Chase were in Newmarket. And so it was like a pretty big distance. Like we we got a jam space in Toronto and I would make it down when I could. Like I didn't have a car, so I would have to like bus back and everything. It was it was getting a little tricky and we we had the second album written. Um, and it was it was like neat stuff. We played a bunch of that stuff live. Like I think we three or four songs from what would have been the second Adidas album we played live. Um, and they're really neat. They're, it was different. It was, you know, for those, for anyone listening who, you know, who doesn't know Adidas, like it's, you know, like you said, Will, it, it's very melodic. It, it's, I think we wore the Opeth influence on our sleeves a lot. Um, but also like, you know, the technicality of like, you know, Rush Dream Theater, that kind of like progressive stuff, like a lot of, you know, time changes, but it wasn't like tech. It was more in like the, the prog end of things. Um, and then for the second album, it was a lot more, um, more heavily influenced on the prog side. Like not so much Opeth, but a lot of um, Systematic Chaos came out around the time it was written. And, and if that album had come out, there would have been a lot of parallels to Systematic Chaos by Dream Theater. Um, and it, you know, it's funny. Recently, Dan and I went back and listened to the songs, and like, there's one or two that are neat. You know, the others are like. In some ways, I'm kind of glad this like 
lost a Dynam album didn't come out because it's you know I think it's of the time and I think it was a little you know I think we if we had taken the time we probably could have written something better um, but that being said you know there was a second album and it was in the middle of those writing sessions that I realized like I you know I was going to Montreal for uh, postgraduate stuff I was like oh man Montreal you know that's far and like you know um, they were talking about you know, trying to tour and, and all that, and I was just like, I, I, I was like, I don't think I'd be able to give my heart to this band the way that I was and the way that I was hoping that I'd be able to. Um, and so that's why I left. And then, as I mentioned, you know, they got a vocalist and they got Dave uh, on guitar, and they played a couple of shows. Um, and then I think, yeah, I, I can't remember what Metalum says, but or Metallum, but whenever they say they went on hiatus, like it's 2011, 2012, maybe. Like, I think I was in Montreal at that point. Um, but, but yeah, so that's kind of what happened with Adidam. Then at that point, you know, I was in Montreal from 2010 to 2011. I was actually living with Matt Marcotte, who's the guitarist in Augury, or one of the guitarists. Um, and he was getting his home studio going at the time like he was just starting to do that and now he has like a a great studio he just did the um uh oh my god why am i blanking on it glory Turno. um oh i butchered that um it's uh phil tugas he's it's his band that's like power metal but kind of also death metal they just released on my i don't know why i'm blanking on huh. uh oh is, is, it, know, is it first fragment first, is it that one first fragment yeah yeah oh my god uh, that's a brain fart. Um, I, it's a brain fart that I remembered it. I can't believe. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What I was saying is, like, Matt's done great work. He, I know, he mastered that album. He did the Forbidden City beneath the Crypt, which is a, a Gutboy single we did mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. That. Um, but when I was living with him, he was just getting going on that, and he, you know, on Metallum, it probably shows uh, two bands, Pronostic and Brought by Pain. Um, that I did some session work and I, I did bass on those the first two albums. Um, and that was more just kind of like a, you know, Matt was like, hey, this band Pronostic, they, you know, they need a bassist, Brennan, like, would you be down to like do bass? I can record you here. It was kind of like, a, you know, um, I helped them out and, and get some, some work and like also help Matt, like, you know, with recording stuff. And so I did that and, and that went well. And he knew the guys were brought by Kane and they were looking for bassists so that I, um, I did that. I recorded that at Ollie the guitarist house, though. Um, so that was kind of more like session work stuff. Um, but at the same time, since I had left the Ditem, I had a bunch of songs that I'd written, but I, I wanted to use, and I was going to use for like future Ditem stuff. But then once I left, I was like, well, what do I do with this stuff? And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll put out like a solo thing, um, you know, just for fun. And so that's where Wexler's Prime came from. Um, I actually recorded the vocals with Matt at Matt's place, like before I left again, actually during a heat wave in, in Montreal, it was like, again, I don't know why I'm choosing like always a lot of times, especially like I was in, we turned my closet into like a little vocal booth and it was just so sweaty. It's like, it was disgusting. Um, but that was really fun. You know, I got to do all the vocals with Matt and then, um, Dan, same time, Dan got uh, Cubase because he's like, I want to start recording stuff at home. I said, hey, you know, I had the solo thing. Would you want to play half of the guitar and, and record me? And it could be like a fun thing, you know, because he and I, 
you know, hadn't done anything musically since I left the Ditem. And so that, I think I recorded my vocals on, I think just scratch demos or something. And then when I got back, I went to Dan's place and we recorded that first album where he played half the guitar, like rhythm guitars and half the solos. And, and I kind of did everything else. And um, you're talking about Of Dust and Dreams, Wexler's yeah, Prime? Yeah. yeah, the first Wexler's Prime album, Of Dust and Dreams, which, oh. uh, yeah, like kind of some of the stuff on there would have been like, potential Aditum stuff, but then I, I kind of copped it. And there's actually some riffs that Dan had written for, I think also future Aditum stuff that I just said, hey, can I just take the skill books from you and use it and he was fine with it. Um, so, yeah, like kind of between, like that was the only real band I think I had going even though, like you know like a solo project up until as you mentioned like 2018 2019 stuff when i um when i started like you know saying okay i gotta put some stuff out here um you know and start like getting things finalized i had a lot of things like you know ideas going and things on the go but um, does does i'm sorry to interrupt but does that also does the the um uh, this kind of more prolific era now, since 2018-19, where you've been putting out like a wealth of material from from different projects, um, uh, does that in any way correspond with something changing in your professional life? The same way that it sounds like academically, you didn't have time to devote to the music as much at one point. Um, that's a great question. I'd say yes and no. Um, so. Kind of after after the first Wexler's Prime album, I had some riffs that I'd written in Montreal for like, oh, if I do a second album, like this would be. Um, and then I, when I came back, I you know I finished my master's. It was in philosophy, so no one's hiring a philosopher, <laughs> you know, especially when only a master's. Hmm. Uh, so I, you know, was in Newmarket for a little bit. I was working at a golf course and just kind of like come home and, and write stuff. And then I moved to Toronto and I moved in with um, my cousin and my, and my really good friend, Graham, who is a uh, musician as well, not in metal, but in indie rock. Um, and he kind of helps with like Gut Boyd and other stuff in the background. Um, but I moved in with him and I, it sounds like, you know, like, you know, a broken record here, but he had a home studio and I said, you know what, I'm going to get a home studio now. I said, Everyone has them. I know, like, at least this will help me get things going. So I, um, you know, I started work, like, working at, you know, a, like a finance institution, just as like, you know, some random like data entry thing. But it was like, oh, cool. I'm like, getting some money. I can actually buy a studio and everything. And so I got a new computer and a studio. Um, and, I could, and then uh, I got a new bass guitar. And I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm set. I'm like feeling invigorated. Uh, and so I started, at, I think it was really at that point that I was like, all right, I'm going to really start focusing on, you know, recording all these ideas that I have and, and finalizing them and like just doing it at my own time, at my own pace, because now I have the capabilities to do it. Um, and so the second Wexler's Prime album, although I, it came out, I think I released it last year, I, I actually started like writing and recording it in 20, I think 2013, 2014. It was oh. just really kind of, I go at it a bit and then I'd step away and then go back and step away. Uh, and then I went back to school and the great thing about being in school is you just you have all the time in the world and that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to you know, really start working on music again. Um, and finished the Wexus Prime album. I actually, I, there's a, a project that Dan and I have been working on for actually kind of since a ditem. 
that will one day come out for a massive three and a half hour long concept <laughs> album uh, where it's all basically 90% of it's recorded. It's just a matter of we need to like do a few last things and tweak things. But a lot of like 2014, 2017, a lot of my time was spent also like we were writing and I was recording that. Um, so that's one day that will come, which will be very exciting. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited for that. But that's, uh, yeah, that, that was one thing that took up a lot of my time. And then I moved back to Toronto and kind of a, a mix of moving back here and um, and then with kind of a pandemic, you know, as, yeah. as awful, as absolutely awful as this has been and it still is. And, um, you know, I... I, and I think that, you know, I've heard other, you know, people you've interviewed and, and say that, you know, the one thing, if you can derive a benefit out of it, is that it, it has helped at least spark some creativity or at least forced creativity in me um, in the sense of, well, I'm, you know, I'm home. I have my stuff here. Like, why not, you know, instead of, you know, you can sit and you can really mull over the fact that this horrible, like, you know, tragedy is happening across the world affecting everybody in so many awful ways at least you can you know at least i can try to put some positive positivity in my being in this experience you know and so that really helped kind of you know maybe that's like a coping mechanism for it, even like just tap into that my creativity um and so yeah like finishing up the westers prime album um doing uh Simulacra, which is kind of my um Ode to Meshuggah. I, I, I'm a lefty, so it's hard getting instruments. And I, I got an eight-string guitar like off Kijiji for three hundred dollars. It was something absurd. And I was like, oh, cool. And you know, I'm gonna like do a Meshuggah appreciation album because I, I love Meshuggah. I always have, but they don't really crop up into anything any of my projects. It's like, you know, they had their own sound. And so that project was like, you know, almost like a, a bit of a love letter to them, but also kind of like a, um, you know, when you. If you constrain yourself in, in writing and being creative, you kind of come out with something you didn't expect. Like I'm going to try to really write like Meshuggah would. Um, like inevitably, like you know, Meshuggah is Meshuggah, and like kind of like me, you know, trying to mine Meshuggah, which is kind of why you know, the band's called Simulacra, which it really is that of of you know Meshuggah stuff. But um, that kind of got me going, and then it was around slightly before the pandemic is when Guffoid started. Um, yeah, with yeah, which uh, kind of came about again. Dan and I just, you know, if it's one thing I can say about Dan, it's he's one of the most prolific people <laughs> that I know. There's there's stuff that like won't be released, but he's written so much music. It's, it's crazy. He's been like a massive, and I'm you know I'm the first one to say it, massive influence on me and my writing and my playing and everything, and my just my creativity. And we were um, we were just getting hamburgers one time, and we were talking. Like he uh, he was like I went in and out of death metal, um, you know, kind of in phases, and he was really into it. And he's like, I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to get back into death metal. I haven't been, you know, I haven't listened to that much death metal. It's been really like prog influenced and jazz influenced at that point. Um, and so he was showing me a bunch of bands, um, and you know, Crips was one of them. Um, Back to Void was another one, and and, uh, and like one incantation, like they had just I think Star Spawn had just come out at that point, 
um, and he showed me the bands like, oh, like, damn, like this is like a, a type of death metal I didn't really know about. This is awesome. Like it's really atmospheric and kind of doomy, but like, you know, it's it's got some stuff behind it that I, that I just really like grabbed me immediately. And then we are sitting there and then I feel like, like, do you want to do another death metal project? Like, you know, it's been so long since he and I did something. Um, and, you know, he credits me with coming up with the name, which like, I, I don't fully remember, but I'll take it, but we were, I, I, supposedly I said something to the effect of like, I, you know, I can't wait to get this burger into my gut void. And we're like, that'd be an incredible band name. Um, and so like, let's, let's do this. I'm like, you know what, <laughs> if, if anything, this is just, you know, he and I can like at least get to work on something new together. Uh, and that's kind of where the idea for gut void came about. Um, and so that would have been what summer of 2018 i think yes i think i want to say summer 2018 we kicked around yeah. the idea for um you know it had some rips here and there and then we I, I think it was like maybe nine months after that we're like hey you know what like we got, we got a pretty good amount of riff why don't we like make something of this um and so that's where we kind of wrote that uh astral bestiary ep like those tracks I actually Forbidden City was a track that was written around that time as well. That was just, we didn't put on the EP. Um, and then again, like like with most things, you know, especially like kind of the projects I mentioned, like Wax was Prime and Molochra and, you know, Pucrate, which, you know, I'll, I'll get to. We, it's, you know, it's hard finding a drummer and, you know, especially with these like, you know, like home studio projects, like I can't play drums. I, I could you know, maybe hold a beat for a second, <laughs> but I am in no way a drummer. And so with Gabo, we're like, yeah, like, let's just do, we'll do, you know, superior drummer, just make it easy. Like, we'll just put stuff out. It'll be fun. Um, but we put it out and, and it, you know, it, that EP seemed to get some traction, which was like amazing and so, um, so unexpected and, and really nice and, and really invigorating, like creative, like, you know, like the, the level of like, wow, like we've, Dan and I hadn't done anything since like Dytum. And we like put this thing out that like people seem to really like. Like this wicked let's let's kinda of follow this. And so coming back to Justin, you know, I knew again, like I knew Justin since high school and you know, I know his base. I was like, man, like you know, Dan and I are thinking of maybe putting this band together, would you wanna come in on bait? And Justin was like, Hell yeah. Which was great because like it's you know, Justin's someone who, you know, keep in touch with but like, you know, see here and there, but like you know, he and I like didn't really get to like have a good constant amount of hanging out, you know, kind of post, you know, like 2010 onwards. So like, this is great. Now we get to like see each other a bunch, which is fantastic. And then we tried out uh, one drummer, didn't work out. And then we had these ads up like kind of around Toronto and like on Kijiji and, and this guy, Dennis, uh, who's our drummer now, just reached out and said, hey, I'm you know, I'm looking to you know, joined a death metal band, like, do you guys want to jam them? We're like, oh my God, yeah, let's, huh. let's go. And we we jammed twice. The first time we jammed, we're like, yeah, we definitely want to join. Then we jammed again and after that, like that second jam, we're like, would you want to join? He's like, yeah, this would be a lot of fun. And literally, I think the next week is when we went into lockdown, like that March 2020, like full on lockdown. Um, Damn. Yeah, all, yeah. All ready to play live again, and oh man, that sucks. Seriously, yeah, we were like so stoked. We were like jamming the EP songs. We like gave him one of the new songs that's going to be on the album, yeah. and we jammed that. We're like, oh my god, this is this is great! We, like, we can't wait. We like 
we like we started to reach out to venues for shows actually like at that point and then yeah everything went to lockdown um and but you know, thankfully you know we didn't know the extent of this we didn't know how long you know like i as like most people were like okay this will be like a couple weeks from like working from home and then that's it and, you know little did i i know that it was going to be what it, what was you know unfortunately yeah. um but you know we we were like look like we got something really cool we're like we all really gelled well you know like like all bands we had like a band chat going throughout all of it and we're saying look like when we can jam let's jam it until then like let's just keep working on ideas and you know i demoed all the songs for the album and like sent them to the guys and you know they each give like their opinions and stuff and and like kind of try to make it as collaborative as we could have despite the fact that we were all you know in the same city but we weren't seeing each other um and then you know thankfully things started to open up we started to jam again and and you know we were able to kind of get ready for the album um i'm sorry i feel like i'm jumping a little bit here well there's a couple of things no it's good because you have a good narrative there of what's going on and it's good because, like I said, we're trying to make sense from a listener's perspective of all these different projects, and you've given a good perspective there about how you were kind of working behind the scenes a lot with Wexler's Prime, um, and you gave us a little insight into you and uh, uh, Dan Bonifilio's um, uh, working relationship starting up again and getting back into death metal and starting Gut Void, which, like we said, is kind of like the lead project, I guess, of, of all these different bands that are going on now, and... Um, you talked about getting a full lineup with Godvoid. Is this the first time you've had a full lineup with a with a, a, a live human drummer? Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> all, all kidding aside, um, since Aditum. Yeah, yeah, it is. Which is like wild. Like again, like I hadn't really thought about that. Wild. That that's it's been. It was wild. like so. Two, I left two thousand eight, two thousand nineteen. You know, that's like what eleven years since I've like been in a, like a proper band. Like I had, I had done a few, like, you know, uh, I was in a covers band for a little bit, did a couple shows and like, I'd done like some, I guess, solo spot on, um, I mentioned my good friend Graham, his solo project, uh, Girlfriend Material. I, I, you know, came up and did some guest solos on like, you know, a show, actually the Christmas right before lockdown. Um, but that's, this gut boy is the first time, yeah, like a full band with a, a real human drummer. Um, since the Dido, which, yeah, is <laughs> again like saying it out loud, it's, it's crazy. Huh. Um, well, but well, very thankful. You know. What are what are things like um, in Toronto, in your area right now, for performing live? Because it's a little different everywhere you go. Um, some places are open, some places aren't. Yeah, yeah. So it's things are starting to kind of open up now. Um, you know, there's. So Dennis is in a punk band called School Damage, and they've played, I think, three or four shows now since kind of the end of August. Um, and I, I know the first one was like, you know, really limited capacity. I think the last show they played was like a proper show. Like it was like, you know, kind of full people everywhere um, rather than, you know, like a half capacity or whatnot. So things are starting to open up, um, you know, with is great like you know metal shows i haven't heard uh, you know i might be out of the loop but you know i or the other guys like we haven't really heard too much like justin did a grind project called acid shower they played one show it was like an outdoor show i think in september 
Um, so it, it's coming along. It's coming along. And so we we actually might have a show lined up in December, um, which we're really excited about. Uh, we just need to kind of confirm some stuff on our end and, and you know, kind of tighten up the set. But we're hoping that you know maybe next month we're going to have our first show, which would be really great. And then you know just like all things, hoping it just keeps moving in a, in a you know positive direction. You know people are getting back. You know people who have yet to get vaccinated continue to and. Um, you know, I know that there's a boosters coming. I know like some of my, you know, older family members have gotten boosters. So hopefully those roll out and it just keeps getting more positive and positive. And with that, you know, hopefully more shows start to open up as well, because, you know, we're, we're all itching to not only play shows, but also go to shows, you know, like it's been, man, the last show I was at was, it was either, um, you know, Mortiferum or Mortiferum. I don't know what the proper pronunciation is, but I always, I've said Mortiferum, so it's just in my head. I'm pro- that's probably the wrong way. You know, it's either them or Intronaut. I saw like right kind of before the lockdown, and it's just I haven't been to a show since, you know, and it, I'm, I'm itching, you know, like, yeah. like most people. And, and, you know, I, I'm looking forward to when things open up, more, you know, both as a fan, but also now to, as someone who, you know, a creator who can give back. And, and you know, get on that stage again because it's been, man, it's been you know, eleven years or no more, thirteen years since I've you know got to like you know, play guitar and growl at some people from a stage. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's it's tough, man. Everybody's itching to get out there. Um, and speak, you know, speaking of Toronto, well, I want I want to get into um because you talked about Rush and that sort of thing, but before we do, because fresh on the gut void conversation. Uh, and what's going on now? Uh, I understand. You have you guys completed recording the new LP? Yeah, yeah. So we we got like I said, things opened up, and we were able to start practicing um, kind of toward the end of last year. We like you know, kind of at a distance, like with masks on, to kind of go into the jam space, and so like. Kind of Dennis and myself would just go in and we'd start working on stuff, and I mean he would go in by himself and start working on it. And so although we weren't doing full jams, everyone kind of on their own was learning the stuff. And so we got to go into uh, Boxcar uh, Boxcar Sounds in Hamilton, which is actually where Tumult does their stuff. Uh, that's how we found out about them. Okay, um, went in there and we recorded the drums there, and I did my vocals there, and had like. A, awesome experience doing that um like some wicked like giant room um i had like this like kind of like old brick kind of industrial vibe to it uh, i don't know it, it's it's got some character it's, it's awesome they have this old um cbc uh soundboard that they use cbc is like the canadian uh, broadcast corporation like our huh. like our npr basically in Canada. yeah yeah Cool. Um, this old like you know board from like the seventies. It's there's so much character there. It's, it was awesome. So we we did the drums there, and then I, I initially I was going to do vocals at home, and I was like, man, I loved it so much. I, I went back and did the vocals there, and everything else. You know, uh, I did my guitars at my studio. Uh, Justin did his bass at my studio, and then Dan did his stuff at his studio. And we've got everything done. I actually was just today finishing up kind of the last tones for the last song that we had to, to do so kind of everything now is like in good shape we sent we've actually sent one song off and got a first mix back and it sounds incredible I, i'm like we're all like so stoked so like it's 
uh, we're very, very excited, and so far it's going really great. Um, we've got the artwork done, we've got mastering lined up, and so everything's lined up, and everything's good to go, and so we're, you know, hoping, you know, I, I with with vinyl delays and everything, we're not sure exactly when it's going to come out, but, like, you know, we're hoping by mid-next year, if not sooner, it'll be yeah. out. Yeah, everyone's got the same story with those uh, production delays right now, man. Hopefully um, it gets out as soon as possible. Um, yeah. And uh, with um, with that being said, can you tell us anything about the upcoming album? Um, is there anything stylistically you want to point out maybe you guys went for? Uh, any Anything you guys wanted to adapt from previous recordings? Or just anything you could tell people who might be uh, awaiting the new Gut Void? Yeah, yeah, no. I'm more than happy to... Uh, like I'm you know, very, very, I, we all are, but very excited for this, you know. Um, it's, you know, stylistically, I think it really builds off of kind of the, the five tracks that we have released so far, like the three from the EP, and then the single, Forbidden City, and then um, Murmurations from Twilight Bodies, which is the song we did in the four-way split uh, that we did with Bloodspore, Coagulate, and Soul Devourment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's you know, like it, I'd say some tracks, you know, are like murmurations where it's kind of like on that more, you know, like, I don't know, I, you know, I mean, I use proggier side, like it really does have the, the proggier elements, like the rush, you know, and the, the, the dream, you know, even the dream theater kind of like, I don't want to say dream theater because I know like that can be a, you know, a, a hot button for people, but <laughs> more, like, more like, you know, the prog side of, you know, like in the, Maybe the more songwriting sense, you know, like like I said, yeah. Rush is a jump influence to Gut Boy, but I'm not going to be singing like Eddie Lee. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'll save that for Wexler's Prime stuff. But um, so it, you know, some songs are like that, but some songs are more like you know, Forbidden City or Entrance, where they're kind of more that you know, like doomier element with um, you know, kind of more atmosphere, more feeling to it. Uh, and then there's you know, some songs or at least one song that's like kind of more kind of in that upbeat vein, like um, They Came Dripping From The Stars Is, which is the first track from the EP. It, you know, kind of has a bit more of that. You know, like that song was definitely influenced by Demilich. Um, who, yeah. You know, I, I don't need to sing their praises because everyone knows how incredible Demilich are. You know, but, you know, so, you know, of course they're an influence. Um, but like one song kind of has like that upbeat kind of, like in that kind of style. Um, Yes, I mean, it's it's really, I think if you can take like an amalgamation of all that stuff, but just kind of build upon it. You know, I think the songs flow better. I think, you know, there's there's more callbacks, you know. Um, you know, songs, again, like kind of that, that, that prog element's there. Songs are bookended where, you know, like a, a melody kind of near the beginning of the song is the ending melody of a song, you know, or, you know, parts come back in, in, I think, more smoother ways. Um, I, I think just like in a, yeah, like from like a songwriting perspective, like a harmonic perspective, I think it flows a little nicer. Um, but yeah, like, you know, expect longer, you know, longish songs. I think the shortest songs, five and a half minutes, the longest song is over 10. Um, wow, okay. And everything, everything's trending more toward the longer end of things. But, uh, you know, I, even though some of the songs are long, they don't feel long, which I think is a good sign. You know, <laughs> you know, like you know, especially when, you know, like we're, you know, I think Gut Boy is death metal, but definitely some doom elements are in there. Um, 
but you know, I think the Doom elements, you know, they we how do I say it? Like I think we use them to serve certain parts of a song rather than have a song really be like fully Doom. Um, and so, you know, but I think that kind of like lends itself to you know, like the songs, like they I think they flow. I think they have a lot of uh, movement to them that I think people will appreciate. I don't I don't know. It's so hard to you know talk about music it's such an ineffable thing you know i, I think when people hear it they'll, it's way better than the words that i'm trying to like mumble <laughs> yeah. well you, you gave us yeah. a little insight into where the um where gut void's going um uh and 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 where, where what people might be able to expect from this no I'm, I'm anticipating it and um the one thing i would ask too is you mentioned the four-way split with blood spore coagulate and soul devourment did you join soul devourment or are you working with them on a session basis uh, yeah, so I, I actually am the uh, the bassist in Soul Environment. Uh, so I joined them. I joined them? I think it was in this, I believe it was in the summer that like it kind of was like you know fully that. And I know you know those guys are you know, very different coast, different country from where I am. Which you know it, it's tough because like uh, for you know touring and stuff, it's it's you know whenever it can work out like. I, you know, I'll definitely be like playing shows with them, but I think for the most part, it's more I'm, I'm there. Like you know, I get to like be part of like the creative writing sessions, like, you know, like the, all that. And I'm you know, recording from, um, but yeah. So I, which is you know very awesome. I, I'm super stoked. You know that I, I think they're awesome. Uh, I'm very happy to now say like I'm part of this awesome thing, which is Soul Environment, and the new stuff's wicked. Um, so. You know, I, that's also a very, very exciting thing going on right now. So, so yeah, cool. and, and and because of that split, that's how I got to know the guys in Soul Environment. Um, and same with, you know, the guys in Bloodsport and Coagulate, um, you know, by doing that split, which is, again, you know, going back to, you know, like during these weird times, it was awesome to be able to connect with, you know, three bands from a different country, who I'd never met before. It's not like, you know, we played shows or like, you know, like I know that it was like, it was literally just over the internet. And now like I'm friends with all those guys and they're all awesome. And it's, you know, it's, it's in, in no way to, you know, with that and the creativity to remove like, you know, the gravity of the situation of what's happened. It's just, it's, it's so nice to be able to have pockets of light, you know, pour through kind of this, you know, otherwise really dark period and in kind of our, you know, collective living history. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody um, needs to apologize for, for making, uh, uh, you know, proactive, uh, practical use of their time. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, it doesn't mean that we, you know, we don't have respect for the gravity of the situation uh, just because we've made the best use of our time and, and trying to, pro, you know, procure our own mental health. Um, just, yeah. just trying to be busy and trying to be creative as, as we are. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I totally get where you're coming from with that, man. A lot of us have been kind of, you know, staying indoors and, and working on music as we do, or in my case, maybe working on podcasts and stuff like that nowadays. Um, yeah. It's it's just part of it. And um, I, I wanted to ask, too, um, quickly, something that you and I have talked about behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get your take on this, um, just for the listeners, just for fun, uh, not, you know, nothing too serious, but... Uh, I can't take credit for this. Many years ago, I believe uh, it was Steve-O from Impetigo, I could be wrong, talked about drinking chocolate milk for yeah. 
for guttural vocals, for those throaty kind of guttural vocals. And I've heard other people talk about it. It's been kind of like a like an inside joke, um, a little living meme kind of kind of like I I, t- I do it or I'll I, you know like I've t- told you it, you know just like it could be like a fruit smoothie, it could be any you know anything to kind of give your throat that coating. Um, and just drinking a little bit of it before you perform can can make a little bit of a difference. Can you just give us your um, insight into that? Have you in fact tried that? Yeah. Oh, I have. I ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so for doing the gut void uh, vocals for the LP, um, like I mentioned, I, I went to a studio in Hamilton, um, and I you know through you know, kind of some outside circumstances. I had to like move the date and then uh, Sean, the engineer, he had to move the date like, um, and then it came down to like, I only had like, I think two, two evenings to bust out the vocals. Mm. And so I was like, okay, like, you know, that it's going to be tight, but, but it's doable. You know, like Hamilton's like an hour drive from Toronto. And, you know, um, my wife and I, we, we have a dog. We also then we got a puppy and like, can't leave her you know with the puppy for too long it's like you know puppies are wild and he was wild uh still is but um i was like okay so like you know i can only do like you know two or three hours stretch plus like you know an hour drive here back so like i had like you know limited time and so you know uh i took the wisdom of, of someone you know who may or may not be you know interviewing me right now and having this conversation uh that <laughs> chocolate milk is a great thing to use to help with the gutter vocals. Um, you know, and and so I I remember I was leaving to go to Hamilton. I swung by, uh, I think it was, uh, you know, the Loblaws of the Metro near us, uh, which, again, uh, those, like, Canadian grocery stores. And I got this, like, two-liter bottle of, of this really good-looking, like, you know, I think it was, like, organic chocolate milk. I'm like, yeah, this, this is the one. Like, I eyed it the week before. Um... I got that and then, you know, drove to Hamilton and then, you know, I had a trusty water bottle and that chocolate milk. And I, I'm telling you right now, I owe it to the chocolate milk. I drank that entire two liter bottle, Whoa. but I banged out the entire album in one go. Wow. Like I, I was initially going to do like, we went in and Sean's like, yeah, like three songs today, three songs tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. And then we were just like, yeah, let's keep going. And I just... The chocolate milk was saving grace. It was <laughs> like, you know, like it, it helped coat. It helped, you know, like I'm talking about, like, come on, is there a better drink? It's incredible. I love chocolate milk. Like Dan, as a quick aside, Dan and I used to go to back in the Adidam days. There's this place called Tom and Jerry's who had the like best wings in Newmarket. Um, and they had these onion chips that were incredible. Like we used to go there and used to have like a, um, a deal where like you get like, you know, like, two pounds of wings, onion chips, and like a, a pitcher of a drink for like 20 bucks or something. And we used to always joke saying, we got to go and get a pitcher of chocolate milk. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, probably some but going back, like it was, it was a huge help. It really was. And if it was just, you know, me drinking water, I would have been hydrated and would have helped. But for getting like, you know, you know with gut void, like I, I'm doing more in the lower end of, of my vocal range in my register. And, and even you know, did some guttural, or, you know, at least to my ability, some more guttural stuff, um, you know, on for, for certain songs and certain parts. And the chocolate milk really helped. It really did. I know, um, you know, I, I've i heard other things like, uh, I remember when I was actually recording with Matt, 
he told me to get mochi, you know, the um, like the Japanese, um, like you know, bean paste kind of dessert. He's like, get Whoa. that. That's I, yeah. I, I feel a little out cultured here. I, I'm <laughs> I'm out of my league with that. I don't know what that is. It's oh man, it's amazing. It's like this. Um, it it doesn't sound as good as it tastes, but it, it's like a bean paste that's like beaten, okay. I think like beaten and whipped, like into like a, like a a paste that's really sticky. And then they fill it with like a jelly and like make this almost like kind of like a, a, a stretchy donut kind of in a way. Wow. Um, but it, it's it's like really, really good. And that was like, I think the first time I had it was Matt was like, you know, go to this random depaneur down here and, and get it and like it'll help your throat. And I remember that was a help too. And so, you know, I think the chocolate milk was a bit better and easier because, you know, you can drink it. it it's a lot easier than chewing this really sticky rice when you're already throat, you know, uh, your are hurting, but it, it also did the trick, but. Yeah, I, I try to, I, I, I'm sorry, I try to stay away from eating, um, you know, be, within any time, like an hour or two before I record or perform any vocals. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's, listen, that's good to know. Again, like, let's, for let's, this guy who has not played live in way too long, when it comes time, I'm going to need all the tips I can get, so. Yeah, it, just, it can affect your stomach, and you, you don't want anything coming back up on the audience or the microphone. <laughs> that's that's right. gross. <laughs> that's a good point. But but um yeah, and I say all this not to not to I'm not a I'm not getting a, a check from Big Milk uh, from <laughs> <laughs> behind the scenes. Uh, our 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 vegan listeners and our lactose intolerant listeners, whatever you know. There's just the point that maybe there's certain you know, like I said, man. There's different types of fruit drinks and vegetable drinks and. Things. I've actually I've actually found carrot juice. Uh, if you get like a like like a nice carrot juice, that can do the trick too, man. Because I you know I'm a I'm a big guy. I'm, as I get older, I'm trying not to OD on Nesquik every time I have a show. You know what I mean? I'm trying <laughs> trying to look for look for some healthier alternatives. I found carrot juice is actually kind of good for this similar uh, purpose, man. But yeah, people can experiment with um that sort of thing. I think people get the point there. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be milk, but uh, there's nothing. Yeah. You know, we, we we like chocolate milk here, man. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the paid sponsors, you know, the dairy industry, that back heavy whole podcast, you know, like, <laughs> you, you like milk, you like milk, okay? But there's other stuff too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not, yeah. <laughs> Who, they allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, su- super allegedly big, big milk, <laughs> uh, fun, b- cashing checks behind the scenes, buying me, <laughs> buying me New Balance sneakers every week. Um, but yeah, in, in black and white uh, cow print, right? Yeah, yeah, black and white cow print, New Bows, man. Um, but but all right, uh, um, moving on from that, I just wanted to touch on that because that was something you and I talked about behind the scenes. And before um, you've been very generous with your time, before I let you go, I also, like I said before, I want to touch on this because being from the Toronto area, um, Toronto, if I'm not mistaken, like Rush is associated with Toronto, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, you know I know Neil Peart didn't grow up in Toronto, but you know Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson, they're you know Toronto boys are still living in Toronto. Um, you know, actually, it was slightly before the pandemic, I saw Getty Lee on the street. I was, you know, starstruck. What? <laughs> uh, then I know I, I didn't. It was, it was too far. I was going into a restaurant. I was in a car, um, but like, you know, like, I, you know, put, putting it all out here. Like, Getty Lee is my my idol. He's my hero when it comes to music. I think you know, like the humbleness of him and, and Rush. Like, I, you know, I try to aspire to that level as well, mm. and like politeness and just. And the, the musical creativity and, and genius and, and talent of them is just disgusting, especially getting the, I, he's, you know, the biggest influence on me wow. by far. 
on music yeah wow so. well well hearing you say that this is a question I, i've i've been wanting to get to at some point in the interview because you said uh you got really into bass at a young age um through primus uh less claypool and then you your dad played you rush uh and it was like a revelation I mean, this is kind of like a, like a, an obvious question, I guess, in a way. But can we touch on this? Being that Rush is kind of forever associated with not just Toronto but also Canada, especially from my perspective, uh, you know, being a New Yorker down here in the, in the states, um, Rush is always thought of as like this, you know, extremely Canadian thing. As much as I do like Rush, and a lot of people love it, was there like a big revelation to you? In that way too, that it was like a little bit of a hometown pride type of thing that you've always had with them too. Uh, yeah, like I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that. You know, it's wicked to be like, yeah, like Rush is. You know, not only are they like you know Canadian, but also like from Ontario, but also from Toronto. And yeah. like, hey, I was born in Toronto. You know, I, I you know I live there, and you know, a hundred percent. You know, like um, you know, I, you know, I. I love the fact that I'm Canadian. I love the country that I'm in, you know. Um, but like, you know, it's it's wicked being like, oh, yeah, and my 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 favorite band, the band that like really is true and true influenced me more than anyone else, and still like their influence threads through anything I do. It's cool to be like, yeah, like a little hometown pride. It's it's pretty sweet, you know. I, I again, I'd, I'd be totally lying if I if I said otherwise. Um, you know, it's it's. Anytime, you know, anytime they played here, uh, ever since from Vapor Trails 2002, which is when, you know, I I really got in them just slightly before they came out that album. You know, like, I would go and see them with my dad, or if not, like, with, with Dan and our other friends who are, who are a big Rush fan. Um, you know, both because of they're great, but also, like, you know, to... You know, to show the support of like, yeah, these guys, you know, they're back in home. You know, the yeah, you know, it's like the great, the great Ben Lizzie song. The boys are back in town. You know? <laughs> well, sure. we, I feel that way about. Um, I wouldn't say Dream Theater. Some people on Long Island might. I would say that about Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, sick! That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Don't feel the Don't feel the Reaper is. It is such a jam. It hurts. It's so good. Like, I, I, iconic and I and um uh I mean yeah there's uh, we could get into it with with them and um I've been on a trip since every Halloween I get back into them uh and, and break out some old records man um good, good man I'm telling you as I'm sure you know the Stand miniseries from like 1994 I want to yes, say yes 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 how they used that song for the intro credits is still I think the greatest use of like a contemporary music with like uh, a full medium i think it's perfect it's it's just it sets the tone so well I'm, I'm a huge stephen king geek as well but like it sets the tone and that sounds perfect for it it's just uh it's it's beautiful if anyone anyone listening right now has do, doesn't know that go watch the stan miniseries not the new one it's fine the the, the one from 94 95 yeah gary gary sinise and, and, yeah. 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 yeah, and uh, what's the guy? That, uh, the kid that was in Parker Lewis can't lose. He's in that. Um, the guy, the guy from Coach. There's oh man, there's it's so many like eight like '90s TV people in that. But it was it was yeah. it was great. I remember when I was a kid, I taped it. I allegedly taped it off of the TV and watched it on VHS when I was. I, I, I admittedly haven't seen it in years now, but I've been meaning to go back. It's it's still awesome. I, I watched it. Uh, Pretty recently, I actually I think it was you know during the lockdown because um, the new one released in 
wife and I watched it, and then I was like, oh, I gotta watch the old one. It's so good, and I ever watched it. Yeah, but it's funny. My my cousin and my uncle, who you know, obviously my uncle's older than me, as was my cousin. They got me into Stephen King, and they allegedly also, <laughs> you know, taped it off the TV, and then we all watched it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel you. I feel you. I, I, yeah, I gotta go back and check it. And well, now here's another Toronto question. Um, you're from, you're from a somewhat younger generation. I'm not saying you're a kid, but you're a little bit younger than me. And I know that my generation, we got into a lot of those classic '80s metal bands by doing our homework. Because when I was getting into metal, it was like all about suffocation, dying fetus, and then metalcore. So you kind of got into a lot of the classic '80s stuff by doing your homework. And now all that stuff is seeing a big, huge resurgence. Um, but but. Like, was there any connection or any, like, um, maybe in being in the shadow of somehow locally uh, the extreme metal scene? Because if I'm not mistaken, you have bands like Annihilator, Voivod, Anvil, um, Slaughter, uh, all associated with Toronto as well from, from the 80s, right? Yeah, I mean, so me directly, or I, I, I wasn't so much, you know, directly influenced from them, but like, you know, Definitely Dan, who, um, you know, who has, I think, a wider, a wider breadth of, you know, the, the metal catalog, especially, like, from around here. Like, I think probably he he would agree that, you know, having that kind of connection of, like, oh, yeah. Like, like I remember we went into, um, here's, here's an interesting, another Rush connection. So I used to live in a place called The Junction in Toronto, which is a West End area. It's, like, personally my favorite area of Toronto. And there's this record store there called Pandemonium. And the guy who owns it is the kid on the cover of Rush's 1985 album, Power <laughs> Windows, which is their best album in my opinion. But he's that guy. And he has this, it's this wicked, like, used uh, record store and used bookstore. Um, and I remember going in there with Dan and, like, you know, peruse through. And, and Dan would always pick up, like, oh, like this band. I'm like, yeah, like they're an old Toronto like thrash band. I'm like, I have no idea. I've never heard of them. So he definitely, you know, um, locked into that. And I, as I think a lot of other people do, I unfortunately, um, you know, I just, cause I said like, I went in and out of metal and stuff. So I just, I don't have the, unfortunately the catalog and the history uh, and then the know-how to, to have really done that. You know, I'm, I'm a bad, yeah, bad yeah. I didn't do that research. Um, Fair but I'm, starting, I'm starting to get there. Fair enough, man. And you know, I've admittedly, um, uh, you know, I, I talk I talk a big game on the Heavy Hole podcast because I spent so much time in my life going back and checking stuff out. But, you know, it's not like uh, I knew everything about death thrash and the old school death metal scene and all that stuff that predates me um, getting mm -hmm. into metal right off the bat, man. You know, you, you kind of just get into it through the years. So I, I, I was just curious how that legacy hangs over someone from a later generation that wasn't really around to witness it, man. Like, you know, here on Long Island... Um, uh, everything is, uh, you know, was about like New York hardcore and thrash metal. And it's like when I was getting into death metal, there was a lot of people kind of still hanging over from the eighties and nineties scene. And there was like still, you know, it was like, you know, long hair versus short hair wasn't really a thing for my generation, but that was a big deal to some of the older guys at shows. And it was just a weird generation gap in the late nineties, you know? Yeah, no. Yeah. I hear you. Like when, you know, when I was when, like when Dyden was going and when, when I was going to, to metal shows, like it was like what 2003, 2004, kind of when I started to really get into it. Um, 
and yeah, like there's definitely there's there's still that um, kind of mix between you know the younger generation at that time it was you know new metal wasn't there but it was you know a lot of like hardcore kids and stuff and kind of like you know also kind of like punk influence as well like around Toronto at that time and but there's still the mix of like you know the, the old metal guys you see like you know the regulars that you'd see to every show regardless if it was you know metal corpse or you're going to see you know like just some local show that you know like a item like was you know third bill on or something you know you'd see those guys and, and like they just love the metal and you know, they they were there back in the day as well which is always really cool again like it's unfortunate i wish i could go back and be like you know shake younger brendan and say you know learn more like get huh. get you know hear those stories and stuff like almost like you know, like hear the history of that um you know because i think it's i think it's neat and you know i it's i think the toronto scene's getting okay let me caveat this with the fact that you know i did kind of you know fall out of the metal scene in toronto and come back and down the coming back in but i felt that when a item was like when i was on the tail end of a item the, the metal scene started to kind of falter a bit you know i mentioned like metal bar was there but then it closed and i think trim ports closed and like all these other places that we used to play are, are now closed and um you know there's just kind of the either the really big you know like you know the opera house like our big ones or you know um you know the other the larger kind of venues in the mid-sized venues but the smaller ones are, are kind of few and far between at least again I'm, I'm couching this with you know my kind of in and out experience here um and so i you know i kind of i kind of wish i could go back and like and again like talk to those people and, and hopefully I can, you know once things open up again like see those people and and know kind of how that how they threaded through that like through this kind of the changing atmosphere and, and you know the i think the up and down of the metal scene in compared to like back then yeah when you say like when anvil was around and even you know i think it's probably going a little too far back but you know when when rush was starting you know they would have been you know the, you know quote unquote the metal of the time you know um, you know, playing with Kiss and everything, you know, like it's, it would be, I, I guess I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but it would be interesting to really hear about the people who have been there and seen kind of from those initial stages to now, like, um, kind of see what that change has been like, what that, how the history has kind of changed and threaded through and how they've experienced it. It would be really, really interesting. Um, yeah, well... Sorry. Uh I didn't quite answer your question. I feel like I just kind of went off on a, Well, no, I just I wanted to I just wanted to get your perspective. Um, admittedly, having grown up in a different generation than that older generation that was very infamous for extreme metal, like you know, like we recently had the band um, Norwegian guys. Uh, she said destroy uh, okay. on. And, you know, we talked a little bit about them. They're from a bit of a younger generation than that second wave black metal. And they talked about how, you know, growing up like in a different generation than that and not really necessarily identifying with that as much um, plays a part. So I, that's, you know, that's all, man. It's it's just interesting to get a, a taste of. And there's a book. I haven't bought it yet. It's um it's a little pricey, admittedly. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking it up now. But Eve of Darkness, Toronto Metal in the 1980s. Um, I got to do a little more research on that. But it's a book that came out recently that does touch on that topic. Um, just, you know, by, by way of you mentioning uh, uh, learning more about that. It's something I admittedly don't know much about myself. Uh, well, you know? Uh, let's see. I'm looking it up because um, I was. I, it was kind of like on my per periphery here. Um, UXB Press Canada. 
uh, I guess, is the the press. I'm looking it up now, man. Um, uh, and I also read, um, what's this book? I got my bookshelf here. By uh, there, It's a little bit more of a commercial book, but uh, by Sean, guitarist Sean Kelly, who's played in uh, Helix and a number of bands. He wrote a book, Metal on Ice, Tales from Canada's Hard Rock and Heavy Metal Heroes. And um, that does have some insight into, like, Slaughter and Voivod and some of the heavier bands, though. Cool. Oh, well, look, this is this is good. you got to be adding these to my uh, my birthday list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, we, you know, we always talk about all this stuff. We recommend it for the listeners, too. Um, yeah. And as I do international interviews and interviews outside of New York in general, we try to uh, give, give credit where credit's due to everybody, man. It's not just all about Long Island slams um, all day, uh, every day. So, um, but 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 on that note, uh, Brendan, I've had you on for a while, and to be respectful of your time, um, you know, we, we kind of we talked about a lot of your projects, which are available on Bandcamp and and the usual social media. If you want to check out Gut Void, uh, and people can look out for that new album that you guys uh, are, are have uh, completed. Um, also, Soul Devourment, uh, you're now in, which did the four-way split with Coagulate and Bloodspore and, and Gut Void. Fumes, which is, I think, mainly Dan, but you also partake in. Uh, sim- yep. Simulacra, if I said it uh, correctly. Um, Wexler's Prime. Uh, these are all bands that you could look up, uh, look Brendan up in all of his projects. And as, as we wind down, of course, I'm going to give you the opportunity to get the last word and promote anything you want, but we always ask you to uh, recommend one older and one newer album by any artist you like. Yeah, uh, I've been, so I'm terrible with decisions. Uh, I've racked my brain up with this. And <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, to bend a little bit. I'm going to have to do, can I do two and two? Because I just, I can't choose one for each. It's too hard for me. I'll allow it. Um, I'll allow it. All right. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, so... <laughs> You know, starting with the new, like, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's so many new bands that are awesome out there. Like, you know, I mentioned uh, Mortiferum or Mortiferum, however you say it. Fossilization mm-hmm. is wicked. Um, but, you know, there's two releases that came out actually really recently that really stood out to me. Um, that I've been really, really enjoying. So one is um, the Italian band Burial, who just released a new album, um, which is called, I think, if I can get the inner gateways to the slumbering equilibrium at the center of cosmos, I think that's what it's called. Uh, but they're awesome. They're like a really cool uh, depth doom band that, like, you know, I, I'd known about, but I heard that album. It just it really, really connected with me, blew me away. It, it's fantastic. If uh, the listeners don't know that, go check it out. I, I highly recommend it. And then another new album from a new band that came out recently is the the war flourish album mm. uh which is uh psychedelic realms of hell yeah we're florida yeah we're the war Flourish they they're they're great boys uh big fans of them and i gotta give them a shout out uh you know i think that album's wicked i i love the concept i love the artwork like it's just so so different than you know most metal album artwork i think it's it's fantastic i think they did a, also a really great job you know another like Deppy with some with Doomy stuff, um, you know, I, both fantastic albums for the new stuff. So th- those are the two I throw out for the new, uh, and then so for the old, you know, it, was, it was even harder. I was thinking back, so much stuff that uh, you know that's influenced me. But I wanted to do, you know two albums that kind of stuck out um, 
uh, you know, bands that I had like haven't mentioned or talked about that I really liked. Um, and they're kind of different, a little different ends of the spectrum, both metal, but a little different. So the first one is uh, MF's third album, uh, Talesis, which, um, you know, I don't know, MF, they're from Belgium, incredible. They're like, I don't know how it is for them, like kind of brutal death, but also kind of like tech death. You know, the, the first album is, is definitely more on the brutal side, the second more on the tech, and then the third's kind of like a, a mix between them. I actually remember in like, you know, grade 12, driving with my old, or my, my parents' old Ford Focus hatchback, Justin, uh, putting in uh, their first, Emma's first album and just like cranking the volume and just being, being like, this is, this even like crazy. Like at that point I was just like, man, this is wild. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then, what, what band is that? Uh, MF, E-M-E-T-H. Okay, all right. I'll yeah. check it you, out. Yeah. Oh, you don't know Emmeth? Oh man! Uh, well, I'm, I'm at, yeah, I'm at a loss here, man. You caught me out here, man. Oh, you're you're in for a treat, man. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, they they put out four albums. My personal favorite is the third, which is Talisa's. I think 2006, I want to say, or 2008, uh, and they put out a third in 24 or a fourth in 2014 which is also phenomenal their whole catalog is amazing i think i think you're really going to dig them well that, that's why we ask you for to recommend stuff man that's great man you know uh, and they're cool we actually i did a item we played with them in a festival in this like northern quebec town it was, like 12 hours north of montreal wow some like mining town called la belle Secavion. like there was like a three-day metal festival uh like augury were there martyr were there um, which Martyr, my God, Martyr, I, I, you know, an incredible band. Another another band. great band, yeah, Martyr, yeah. Oh, one, another giant influence. Uh, like them and Rush are like the two major Wexford Prime influences. Not to, not to <laughs> go off on another tangent. But yeah, we played a festival with them. Really cool time. Uh, Behold the Octopus also played that festival, which is really neat. It was a, it was a strange festival. Uh, like, a, like a weird, like in this mining town. It was awesome. Huh. Uh, yeah, MF, and then for the other side, you know, I want, I want to do something a little different that might, well, that the listeners, you know, might not know of, and you know, kind of blending the metal and the prog. There's this, I think, I think they're from the Netherlands. Um, they're called Beyond Twilight, and they're this like prog bands. They're no longer around, um, but they did the second album called uh, Section X, which is like this weird like cheesy but in a great way but like a really dark heavy kind of prog metal album and it has um kelly sundown carpenter on vocal it's like one of my favorite vocal performances um of of like any kind of like prog album or even any album it's just i don't know his voice is crazy on it um it's it's this really strange album uh like i said it's definitely cheesy, but it's like that perfect amount of cheese, you know, that you just you can really appreciate, especially if you like, you know, the prog and the metal huh. stuff. Uh, All right, and that's that's yeah. Beyond Twilight, you said. Yeah, Beyond Twilight. Yeah, like uh, the album Section X. Just like I, I, <laughs> the, the name's even cheesy, but it's, it's awesome. I yeah. I got it. Well, you know, like since um, all this talk about uh, uh, prog metal. Um, you talk about Dream Theater. I don't know. Are you familiar? Have you ever heard of Inner Strength, uh, an old school Long Island band, um, kind of in the prog realm? So I, I haven't, but I know, I think I caught one of your live streams and mm-hmm. you were talking to them. 
and I made a mental note to check them out. And then I think it, it, it left my mind. But this is good. You reminded me because I wanted to check them out. I know you mentioned they're like um, it kind of came around the same time and same area as Dream Theater as well. But like you know, yeah, everyone but not many people know that. Yeah, old school Long Island band, a little bit more metal, a little bit more thrash um, going on, I think, than um, uh, Dream Theater. Uh, de- you know, definitely, I, you know, not as out there, but still prog and still um, playing around with genre and uh, a lot going on there, man. Inner strength, and they were they just had their stuff reissued a year or two ago um, by uh, an indie metal label that specializes in some of those old school thrash and prog reissues so it's worth checking out and it's out there now man definitely inner strength from Long Island and wait, wait. Is, is there like if there's an album like I should check out first or just like the full catalog like I'll probably just do the catalog but, you know well if there's one thing um I'm, I'm actually looking Beyond Tomorrow is the album that I have uh, I have an old, I have old school tape, but I think they did, I think they had some sort of like anthology uh, reissue or something with their albums. But I, I would just say anything you could find, as far as I know, um, by them. You know, it's pretty obscure stuff, and I you know I don't know that they ever put out any any. I don't know that they were around long enough to have put out a, a dip album. You know, a bad album. Okay, awesome so. though. But that man, that's amazing. Thank you. I I know what I'm going to be checking out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely worth a shot, and for the listeners too. And I just got to, you know, when you were talking about that um, Beyond Twilight, for some reason this popped in my head. I'm a big fan of um, not necessarily all of their albums, but the Italian band Sadist uh, put out the Spellbound album in 2018, which I thought was an amazing uh, kind of return to form and, and a, an amazing kind of comeback album for them in a way. Cool. Okay, I'll check that out. I, you know, I have to admit I don't know them. I, I recognize the name. Um, but can't can't put them. Are they like same style or, or what? Well, kind of well they're, they're I don't know about same style. They're more death metal, and in the be- in their beginning oh. of their career, they were very death metal influenced. Um, they kind of had a little. They I think they had an album where it was a little more new metal going on, and then they disappeared for a while. But now they're kind of back um, in a very very cool way. And they did this album Spellbound in 2018. That I got, that I really got into, and it's like a kind—it's it's almost a concept album based on Alfred Hitchcock uh, oh, on his it. on his on his work, and so it's very it's very cinematic. So it's like a very progressive uh, um, death metal band that's known for kind of doing symphonic, kind of avant-garde stuff, kind of doing a an Alfred Hitchcock themed album. So it's very cinematic, proggy death metal. It's really cool stuff. That sounds. Fucking awesome! I am definitely checking that. Out. Yes, Thank you. say to spell, I didn't mean to hog up and and uh, uh, common no. commandeer your recommendation section, but you got me a little hyped on the prog talk. Man, you know, look, like you know, I of course I'm a, a full on Patreon, but you know, like <laughs> I I, uh, I miss when you guys would also give your recommendations at the end as well. So I'm happy to hear this. This is fantastic. You know, it's. Yeah, yeah, we're we're trying to do that more and get that back in the mix. It's tough because um, lately, uh, Tom and Justin, their schedules have changed for a lot of different reasons, and we're we're kind of changing up. That's why I'm actually recording. I have my own home studio set up now, so I can do some of the interviews from home. And we're trying to keep the team going as best we can, as those guys manage uh, some professional changes they got going on, man. So it's yeah, the the the. the we're still playing with the format of the podcast from uh, from week to week, man. I feel you. Hey, I mean, you know what? Like, regardless, it's you know, I I, mean, I think this podcast is incredible. So it's uh, you know, 
I, I'm glad to know that you, you know, like anything, you're, you're just adapting and modifying as best as possible. And it's it's great. So yeah, it's it's you know it's it is how it is, man. We had the first, we had the pre pre COVID way of doing things on the podcast, and we adapted, and we got used to doing things on Skype and remotely, and now we kind of have our own uh, adapted way of doing things now. So it's all it's all good, man. But um, but enough about about us, man. This is your episode, uh, Brendan Dean. Um, as I said in the beginning, multi-instrumentalist, I'll just say, uh, Toronto-based multi-instrumentalist, um, perhaps best known now for Gut Void, but we talked also about Soul Devourment, uh, Simulacra, Wexler's Prime, and people can go back and look up Adytum, A-D-Y-T-U-M. Um, any parting words for fans of your music and listeners of the Heavy Hole podcast? Uh, oh, man. Um, no, just like, you know, I guess, I hope someone finds appreciation in in the stuff i'm putting out even if it's you know like a little bit because you know in the end uh, that's that's the main goal like music has been such a massive part of, of my life and my passion and, and what makes me happy and you know like nothing beats putting on an album that you love or hearing an album for the first time that you've been waiting for and it's just being floored by it and you know to be able to, to put something back out there and have someone appreciate it is, you know, that's that's all, it means the world, you know? And so that's my, my hope and my goal is in one of these things, if someone, you know, if someone listens, is like, hey, that was cool, then uh, it makes me really happy. So, you know, hopefully one of those things does that. And, uh, and otherwise, I'm just going to keep on putting stuff out. Um, I guess, you know, if, if I can plug like you know the gut void album coming out next year uh, i've got a puke wraith album the first one's coming out next year as well as a split coming out probably next year actually at this point it'll be next year um and yes yeah, soul environment coming fumes coming the other projects that, that three and a half hour long epic thing dan and i wrote <laughs> one day will come out you know i've got, I've got another um you know black and death kind of project that i've written that i want to get out I, so i'm going to keep keep putting stuff out you know and, and i just hope you know people enjoy you know what i'm doing at least if at least one person does that i'm happy so excellent um, yeah that, that's the right attitude man yeah yeah and, and beyond that i hope everyone just you know stay safe and uh and it's doing well Excellent, man. And yeah, and we'll reach out to uh, your uh, longtime collaborator, Dan uh, Bonofilio, maybe in the future when you guys have another um, uh, uh, upcoming release to promote. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for your time, Brendan, man. You have a great evening. Hey, no, thank you so much. I really appreciate this, Will, and you as well. Take care. Thank you very much again to Brendan Dean of Gut Void, Soul Devourment, and all those under, uh, other wonderful projects we mentioned. Um, we encourage you to check out all the bands and music we talked about with Brendan and to drink plenty of uh, chocolate milk or carrot juice or whatever your beverage of choice is before you do your death metal vocals. Safety. Goes a long way, doesn't it? it I've, in my experience, mm. I, just speaking for me personally. I was watching a, uh, a YouTube video of a Impetigo practice this week. Okay. Okay. Uh, from like 2006 or something 
And uh, there's Steve-O, right? That's the guy? Yes, sir. Yeah. He's playing bass, and he's got this jug. Just a look, It looked like a, a gallon of paint, but it was all chocolate milk. And I couldn't get that out of my, my brain there. Uh, that's actually where it originates from, as far as I know. Adam Rotella once told me he read an old interview in a zine where, where I think it was Steve-O of Impetigo talking about it. So that, that's, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. It was a lot. It was like, you know, not just a little... Yeah, this was the family size. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I've heard. Um, let's see, John, John Gallagher of Dying Fetus is a Coke guy. He drinks a Coca. Whoa, whoa! Allegedly, no, no. Hey. allegedly, whoa, whoa! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he drinks a nice Coca Cola. Okay, that's, uh. that's, that's something similar. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I like how we're getting crazy on the heavy old podcast now. Okay, sure it's off the rails. No, look. Yeah, Coca-Cola, I could see that. Though the bubbles, I'd be worried about a little burp interrupting the... Or the you know, maybe maybe you couldn't tell what the difference. <laughs> have you ever... Uh, I, I had done some death metal vocals before, and have you ever run into this where you you didn't warm up right and you start hiccuping? Yes, it happens. Oh, fuck, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've gotten the hiccups. I find that mainly at rehearsal, probably because it involves not, uh, not warming up correctly... Uh, maybe drinking or eating right before you, you go and do your thing, I think. Because there's sometimes where I'll have a rehearsal right after dinner at night. Or, you know, like something, you know, it's on a Sunday afternoon after you eat lunch or something like that, man. Whereas in a show, you're more focused. You're not going to eat a few hours before you, you, you do your thing if it affects you. Yeah, you're breathing yeah. and, yeah. Well, yeah, interesting that, stuff. That is the stuff of nightmares for a death metal vocalist. It hurts. It hurts. No hiccups. Um, something else I have nightmares about. Tell me. Voicemail from our, our listeners. Um, I, I don't know. If, it, it, I had this premonition last night. It was the ghost of Justin's past standing over me uh, with a uh, smoke with a pack of Newport menthol cigarettes, uh, a Hulkamania <laughs> tank top, right. and a vintage death, like the first death logo, like the right. kind of Halloween-looking one on a trucker hat. And he was telling me, "Well, check the voicemail." All right. So look, I'm I'm, I'm not going to throw you under the bus. Totally, Roman Cheech, longtime listener of the show. Shout to him. I see you did a few takes on your voicemail, which I respect because you're a true artist. Yeah, exactly. Gotta so get I'm going right. to play one. If I don't play the right one, I'm sorry, but they all have the gist. Okay. Hey, this is Roman Cheech calling for Justin's job. Oh! What did I do with my time? I listen and talk about metal. And I fish. Do I respect Lord Worm? No, 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 no. I oh, oh. kneel before the throne oh. as Lord Worm. Okay. My collection, over 1,200 metal records, over 300 tapes. How many Deathcore albums? Not one. So he's got the bit at the end. He does the one. He talks about fishing. That was, if we were taking applications, that's like the one with the nice fancy cover and the, the you know the little staple. It's in the nice perfect corner. That was the beautiful. Um, no comment. No comment. Yeah, I, Justin's no just comment. not here. Justin, he's is, still on the show. I hope he's listening. I hope you heard that. All right, because that was enticing. Shout, shout to you and your collection, sir. And I, um, uh, I respect this man's informed opinion regarding the work of Lord Worm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. 
I mean, it's uh, it's it's fine that he that he did that. Yeah. Actually, it's pretty fun. Uh, but the job Act, is not open. Actually, Roman Cheech, though. But you, other listeners, feel free to, yeah. <laughs> to leave your voicemail application for Justin's job. I will keep Justin playing these. In fact, yeah. I will play if, if we can get a few of those in. Uh, <laughs> Justin's not going to be in on the next one. I talked yeah. to him already. He might be in on the following one. I'll play a lot of those for him. <laughs> that will be fun. Good, good shit. Good shit. All right. So, uh, and that's it. We have. We're going to save the other voicemail. For yep. another episode, mm-hmm. um, we could be upfront with the listeners about that. We don't have to be behind the scenes about that. It's fine. Um, an order of business I have here: uh, Amityville Musical. I want to be timely about this. Uh, engaging in and planning toys for tots drives for charity this holiday season. Uh, Long Islanders, uh, look out for that Amityville Musical on your social media. They're having. Uh, a couple of free shows. I noticed one was a free punk show. Another one was a free, uh, I think it was like free Amityville musical staff, uh, you know, performance type of show or something. A couple other events they're having where you can do your Toys for Tots drop-offs. Uh, we love Amityville musical. Um, peep them for that. Um, Tom, you know, I mentioned before, I um, often tune out when not just you, when anyone else talks thinking about the next thing I'm going to say, um, thinking about what's more important to me than what you're talking about. I do, however, on occasion, uh, empathize with other human beings and listen to what you have to say. Um, I'm not like I'm not like a, like, a, like a chatterbox that you just wind up and put on the table. Just want to know where this is going. I have really, ears. I'm really anxious right now. <laughs> and I'm really defeating the point that I'm... <laughs> Trying to trying to trying to trying to get across right now. I'm sorry, I've been drinking allegedly. Look, all I'm trying to tell you, Tom, is that I heard you recommend the movie Train to Busan. Oh yeah. Over I, I forget now because we had a Halloween spectacular yeah. the last few weeks. But I went back. That was one movie I did miss, and you had recommended it. I watched it. What'd you think? Um, I was impressed. I was impressed. I thought it was a great film. Um, it actually it brought you. All over the place. Um, it made me laugh. It made me cry. I can say that without, you know, being cliche. Uh, well, I didn't. I mean, I'm not like I was sobbing. I, let, let, me, let me retain my pride. But there, right. there was some sad moments. There was some very human sad moments, especially towards the end of the movie. There is something very interesting about Korean films like this where they do a good job of, of throwing, like, multiple genre takes into stuff. If you remember that movie Parasite that came out a few years ago. See, this is another one. I got to go back. I heard everyone talk about it. It's worth it. It's okay. worth it. You know, like, the, I'm, I'm, I am similar enough to you in which when I hear enough people talking about shit, I don't really want to get into it. I did watch that movie. It's excellent, and they do the gambit on that. And there's other films I've seen. Uh, one that comes to mind is one called Save the Green Planet. This movie, very under the radar in the States, but it spans the genres of movies uh, so much as to sometimes you're watching a kung fu movie to uh, a, a heartfelt romance and then a horror and then a comedy. Uh, it's it, it, There seems to be something, I, I don't want to be stereotyping here, but the Koreans seem to have a good idea of molding genres into film. Interesting. Yeah, I... I um I, I will, yeah. My foray into uh, international film, man. I, you know, I don't. I'm not that well educated, man. But I'm, I'm willing to take your, uh, your, your, 
your advice into consideration there, man. I got. I will check out Parasite. You know, sometimes hype just turns me off, man. Yeah, but. sure. Oh, and also, if you want, <laughs> you want to talk about something, you should definitely check out. I have the Save the Green Planet DVD because you can't stream it anywhere. Interesting. Yeah. Now, see now. Now, no, now you got it. my attention. Now I'm into it even more. Um, something else uh, I'm into that got uh, listener Evan Williams' attention. Occiplegats. Tom, type oh. that right now. Phonetic. Occiplegats. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Spell it for me. Occiplegats. <laughs> you right. sent it to me earlier. I know. I'm glad you did. I, I'm an asshole. O-X-I-P-L-E-G-A-T-Z is the band uh, that Leon Del Muerte referenced heavily in our interview with him. That he uh, considers a big influence on um, uh, Lightbreaker, his project that he's uh, currently working on and preparing. And listener Evan Williams couldn't decipher me saying Occiplegats. Right. So he, you know, but I just want for everybody, you can go back and check out Occiplegats um, and their albums. Uh, o x i p l e g a t z. They had two albums. One, a side real journey, uh, and two, worlds and worlds. Um. Did now? Yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to check that out, Tom? I did actually. You sent them to me, and I had some time. It was perfect. So I checked out Worlds. Uh, what Worlds is Worlds? What <laughs> Worlds are Worlds? Worlds and Worlds. Okay. So I have a few thoughts on that. Uh, firstly, that booty. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. It's it's, it's a weirdly uh, enticing album. Cover. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this. You know, as a heterosexual male, I I'm gonna have to press play. Mm. It, it, uh, it it may they, they they everyone should just be glad I'm not an artificial brain anymore now that I've seen that album cover because we would have been going in a whole different direction anyway. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Whoa, it's very strange. It's kind of fever dreamy, and it goes from like this this like progressive black metal thing, and then it has like this tint of like PlayStation One sounds, and then <laughs> yes. you think it's gonna pull back and stay heavier, and it doesn't. It goes even further, and then you're in the middle of like Pokemon Red. In the album, like it goes into some really strange, like Nintendo esque RPG sounds, uh, with yeah. some with some yeah. clean vocals that they did take a, a minute to warm up on me. But overall, the experience was well worth it. It's a very interesting experience. It's something something you want to get something you want to check out, yeah. <laughs> even if it's not your thing. It's something you want to you want to at least give a chance one time to. You want to know say about you've this. heard it. Yeah, yeah, you want to watch this. You want to listen to this. <laughs> you want to see this album cover. That's why I, I mean, like honestly, I don't know how I don't know how often I'll be revisiting this, but I'm very glad I listened to it. Yeah, it's a great point of reference for bizarre uh, science fiction, symphonic, electronic, uh, metal inspired music, man, and that. PlayStation One sounds is definitely it's something I like I can like in in symphonic metal, man. Sure, yeah. You know. So uh, they really go deep on that, though. I, I like PlayStation One sounds in metal better than PlayStation One graphics on metal album covers. Oh yeah, but we've already gone there. We have. Yeah, it's that's enough. That's But, um, yeah, so shout out to Evan Williams for bringing it back up. And if you want to know a little bit more about um, 
Occiplegats and, and uh, where we dug that up. That's Leon Del Muerte. We did a whole episode with him over Halloween weekend, man. Um, but today's episode was Brendan Dean. Uh, we're we're going to make sure that we check out the upcoming Gut Void album along with all the other projects he's working on. Uh, very busy guy. A lot of projects. And uh, maybe we'll get in touch with some of his bandmates in the future, man. Um, until then, Tom, what if somebody else wants to get crafty and leave a little uh, application? A little oh, job yeah. application. They want to steal Justin's job. Well, you better be calling 631-837-3274 and uh, just give us anything. Uh, the application, your experience. Mm-hmm. Roman Cheech, good job leading the way on that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's going to be hard to top. Right yeah. out the gate, we got a good contender. Yeah, so uh, like do, you know, do your best. Have fun with it. Yeah. They, say, they say nobody wants to work nowadays. Heavy hole. We already got a job. Yeah, come yeah. On. I will go there. Well, listen. <laughs> Where I will go, if you want to put some of your hard-earned money down uh, on the Patreon, people can go to, uh, what is it, patreon.com slash heavyhole. That's right. Podcast or heavyhole. You'll find it. Yeah, it's Googleable. Yeah, Patreon. It's, it's 2021, guys. Yeah, we got the little bonus episodes on there. You can drop questions sometimes for the more prestigious guests. It's cute. Uh, heavyholepodcast.com. If you want uh, any more information, contact information, we're on all the social medias. It's out there. Man. We are. Our Twitter's a mess. I mean, bad. come on, man. Um, uh, Justin, uh, we miss you, bud. Yeah. What, what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. But um, but it's all good because just like we figured out the last few weeks, two guys is enough to get the job done. Uh, just like our guest tonight, Brendan Dean, does so many bands. Uh, with his co-worker, Dan Bonofiglio, who we're going to get on um, uh, another time probably when they have something else to promote and get his perspective on things, man. Um, but uh, until then, I think tonight we had the perfect number of members for this episode, and that was one. <laughs>